and welcome to week number two, episode number two of Soccer News 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews. As you might guess, I am Noob. Glad to have you on board, Noobites. And this week we're going to be talking about matches from all over the world from October 9 Friday until the 15th on Thursday. A little bit about this, since this is a fairly new podcast. Who am I? I am the noob, the soccer noob. I have to be more specific because there's going to be a sister podcast to this one called Soccer Noob Rock in America. And while I am noob, my co-host for that show is going to be my daughter, Person Noob. Would you like to say hi, Person Noob? Hello. How do you feel about being Person Noob? Good. Okay. She had previously expressed it. Uh, She wasn't sure about being called noob since she's eight years old, but I told her, A, that it's comparative to me as her father. She is new at being a person, and it's a branding issue. It's something that we did for the website. What website is this? That is SoccerNoob.com. I am the creator, sole writer, and curator for that website. And a couple, three years ago, when I first started it, after losing a bet, because I knew nothing about soccer, I, uh, amongst many other ridiculous things, did one thing that was serious for the comedy website. I researched leagues and tournaments from all over the world, and actually, while I'm not an expert in any one area, I know a fair little bit about a lot of different things. So you're going to hear about matches, leagues, and tournaments, and cups from all over the world that you're not going to probably catch on any other website. We'll do leagues you know and plenty of leagues that you don't. So what is Tend to Track? What qualifies as a match? What makes it worthy? Well, as the podcast host, biggest, quote unquote, I get to define. They can be from anywhere in the world. Now, it's usually for leagues, it's going to be a uh, Uh, a country's top domestic leagues. We're going to cover tournaments of all shapes and sizes. In those domestic leagues, it's usually going to be number one versus number two matches. So while a match in, say, the United Arab Emirates might not necessarily be on everybody's radar, if number one versus number two is happening there and it's late in the season, there's going to be high drama, and we're going to talk about it for a little bit. Not always the biggest leagues, but the biggest matches from any league. So, enough intro. Let's dive right into the matches. What do you say, person noob? Yeah. Match number one. You know, we've discussed getting the count from Sesame Street, seeing under fair use, we can maybe uh, use the count saying various numbers one through ten. I think that would be fun. In any case, match number one, with me introducing it, is a match on Friday. It is the final of the Catalonia Cup Tournament. This was back in uh, pre-Franco Spain, uh, one of the uh, bigger sporting events in all of Spain, and certainly in Catalonia. It was incredibly huge before Franco, but Franco was Spain that particular time saw uh, the now autonomous uh, region of Catalonia have uh, those sorts of things shut down, including this event. It has uh, risen to a certain amount of prominence in Spain once again. It is not nearly as big as it was in the early part of the 19th century, though. Uh, For a long time, it uh, did uh, come back into prominence because uh, big teams like Barcelona and Espanyol were playing in it, uh, uh, La Liga clubs. But since 2013, those two particular teams have opted out. I'm guessing that they were probably, you know, always making the final and they're already playing against each other during the league year. So it sort of 
made sense for them to just stick with that and leave other teams to the Catalonia Cup. What two teams are those for this year in the final? They are, and forgive me for mispronunciations, Yagostera and La Hospitalette de uh, Yobregat, I'm going to say it. Uh, the first of those, Yagagastra, plays in uh, their league in the second division, uh, the second division B, which is the third division uh, professional soccer in Spain. And this particular town for the club that uh, the club is eponymously named for, this is the smallest town in all of Spain that actually has a professional club. So if you're looking for an underdog to root for in a game, uh, in that particular sense, this could be them. Uh, this particular club is basically in uh, southern cap is in southern Catalonia. They finished uh, 13th last year in their third division group. This is played in, at a neutral site. I'm going to pronounce it Terrassa. Their opponent, uh, administratively listed as, as the Vezer, uh, La Hospitalette. Uh, they won their group last year and are now in the Segunda Division B. And they are located uh, to the immediate south, basically a large suburb of Barcelona. So they are playing in a higher division and would uh, certainly be the favorite. Can't tell you a lot else about these teams. I will tell you that there uh, doesn't appear to be any uh, really formal, high-level, organized tournament besides this in Catalonia. There's no other leagues. A lot of the teams in Catalonia, of course, play in professional, semi, and non-professional teams throughout Spain. Uh, nothing on the line here as far as uh, stakes in terms of births in European or any other competitions. It is just a very uh, proud uh, ethnic region of Spain with their own cup championship, and it'll be exciting to see who comes out on top. Before I dive into match number two, a quick correction from match number one. I had made reference to the Catalonia Cup being very big in the first part of the 19th century. I should have said 1900s, which would, of course, be the 20th century. In any case, match number two, hopefully we can uh, count up the frequent flyer miles that we're going to collect as we're going all the way to... Papua New Guinea. If you're not familiar with a lot of soccer in Papua New Guinea, well, not much of anybody else is. This is, but this will be fun to learn a little bit about, I think. This league is, in fact, only even ranked in uh, the OFC, the Oceania Football uh, Confederation. They have their own, just like uh, Europe and Asia and everywhere else. Uh, they're only the seventh-ranked league in the OFC, even. Uh, some of this is due to the fact that there's uh, been a lot of discord with organizations running soccer in Papua New Guinea. And in fact, uh, the two uh, biggest leagues were only just recently reunified, just within the last few years. They are getting ready to have their final on Saturday, a knockout tournament final following up their league season. It is going to be between, um, the spelling is L-A-E City. I believe one of the two accepted pronunciations is La-A City. Uh, they are the defending champs, which is somewhat surprising because the massive uh, soccer powerhouse is Hikari City. Although that club's been known by a variety of names, Hikari City has been the most recent one. And they are playing... Uh, Vitiaz United, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, they finished number one and number three, respectively, in the regular season, so to speak, of the tournament. Uh, uh, La A City has uh, the best offense in the league, will probably be the favorite, as both teams play pretty even defensively. 
And uh, Lai City is the one that has a little bit more history on their side. They reached the uh, OFC uh, quarterfinals actually in both 2018 and 2019. But that said, the last two times that these teams faced off, it was at La A City, and Vitiaz United came out with a 1-2 uh, win. So, Papua New Guinea, glad to learn a little bit about that before we head on to our next one. This week, of course, is, for most of the world, the international break, a time when I'm hoping this podcast can generate a little bit more listenership. Tell your friends that there's soccer going on around the world besides what they normally know about. Although for match number three, this is an event that does, during international break right now, get plenty of attention, the UEFA Nations League. However, uh, most coverage you'll get will involve teams from League A, maybe even uh, League B within that particular group, but we're going to dip down into League C, um, the UEFA Nations League in ways that I won't get into too much details about, partially because I don't really understand it at all. It's very convoluted, but uh, there are teams that eventually qualify into, uh, if they don't qualify through other ways, can qualify into uh, the European Championships and then in turn even into the World Cup. So down in League C, this is where you're really starting to look at all teams that don't probably qualify just about any other time through any other avenues for the European Championships that are going to be going on next year. I believe it's next year, yes. Uh, so League C, we're going to go to Kazakhstan versus Albania. This particular group within League C, all the teams are tied for points after two matches. So it's going to be very exciting to see who can come out on top and advance into the league finals. Uh, Kazakhstan is the home team and yet probably still your underdog. They are the second to last ranked uh, national team in this entire league. They are ranked number 47 out of 55 national teams in UEFA. And they are hosting Albania, who are almost certainly the favorite to win this group as they are the second highest ranked league. Uh, they are or, uh, team national team. They are number 34. They've got some history on their side as they actually have made the European Championships. Back in 2016, they even won a game within the group stage. Uh, meanwhile, your hosts, Kazakhstan, have never qualified for the World Cup or even the European Championships. Um, this gives a little idea, and I think what the quality is like. Kazakhstan only has one player who doesn't play uh, within one of uh, the Kazakhstan football system. They do have a Russian uh, Premier League player. Albania, meanwhile, they've got players in Serie A. They've got one in La Liga. There's a reason they're ranked number 34. They've got a lot of players getting a lot of experience all over Europe and will probably be your favorite. Regardless of how this turns out, this group is going to be a real fight to the finish. Match number four brings us back home to the good old U.S. of A., or at least me, if we have any international listeners. Not your home, my home, and that's fine. Nevertheless, game four, match four is MLS. I've selected so many good matches heading in, you know, here we're in about the last three weeks of the season. I think that the most intriguing one is uh, number four, Orlando, playing host to uh, number three, Columbus. Uh, they are, of course, both in the Eastern Conference. Six teams will, the top six will make the first round of the playoffs. And then four more 
will be in a play-in round to round out that particular bracket. Uh, these two teams are almost certainly going to be able to hold on and play in that first round, but both are still chasing first place. Fourth place, Orlando is in a bit of a bind, though, as uh, the player who I believe is their best one, uh, Motinho, he is actually out with injury. He plays left back for them. Uh, they have only lost twice this season. Both those losses were back in August, so they have been on quite a roll. It'll be interesting to see just how much of an effect the loss of this particular player has. Uh, Columbus is third place in the East. Uh, last year they were in 10th place, didn't uh, even make the playoffs, but you've only got to go back a dozen years, 2008 when they won both the Supporters' Shield and the MLS Cup. Uh, they have the best defense in the league, and yet I believe that's as a unit, the uh, person who I believe is their best uh, player and a USMT, USMNT player at times is uh, Zardes. Um, they are, however, 0-1-2 in their last three matches and so have been on a bit of a skid. So which is going to have the greater effect for Orlando, the uh, loss of a very, very key player, or Columbus just struggling in general and not having very much momentum? Uh, for those who listened to the last podcast or have... Uh, been a part of the readership for SoccerNoob.com, you will know that uh, the management, the producer for this show, and I are both uh, very, very against cities that are built on swamps. So naturally, we will both be rooting for Columbus and believe in our hearts that the Columbus crew will come out victorious despite it being on the road. Because quite frankly, what good can ever come from a city that was built on a swamp? Never cheer for bad urban planning. Uh, the more you know. Do, 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 do. Match number five takes us back out to the far east, halfway around the world, as we visit Taiwan, or Chinese Taipei, whichever you happen to prefer, depending on your politics. I'm not going to go into that. We're just about the footy here. To that end, this particular league is only ranked number 39 out of 46 in the Asian Football Confederation. And uh, this league, in fact, has only even been in existence since 2017. Not to say that they didn't have a top league, but this particular one is re relatively newly formed. It's also only a semi-professional league. There's no truly professional soccer being played in this country, although the country and the FA, from what I've read, are working hard to make it a, a professional league. And when that happens, I'm sure they'll be able to climb in the Asian uh, Federation rankings. Because they are ranked so low by the Federation, they uh, they don't get an entry into the Champions League. Their winner goes into what is called the AFC Cup, which is a little like the Europa League and yet not quite. The biggest countries in Asia for soccer will not be sending teams to this. This is, as the AFC puts, AFC puts it, a tournament that is more for, quote, developing soccer nations, end quote, period. I believe they mean PO, but they are too nice to say it, and that's just fine. This is another one versus two matchup. We love those. They are very shiny. Uh, the feature teams are number one Taiwan Steel. Uh, if you actually know any football from this league, uh, you may know them as Tainan City, and they are hosting number two, Tai Ching Futuro. This is going to be your definitional uh, irresistible force meets immovable object sort of match. Uh, despite only being in uh, fourth place last year, this year uh, Taiwan Steel have easily the number one offense in this entire league. They have scored a double the clip of anybody else. On the other side, uh, Tai Chung, uh, Chung Futuro 
have conceded only half as many goals as the next best defense of the league. They only finished fifth last year, and it's safe to say that whoever comes out on top in this one has a very good chance of being the new league champion. Uh, one other interesting note, just if you feel like Taiwan or Chinese Taipei from a soccer sense is tickling anything in your mind, it's because this was one of only three countries in the world that kept their top domestically kept playing throughout the coronavirus. Belarus was uh, the one that got the most attention, I think, in this part of the world. And then one of the Latin American countries did as well. But Taiwan said, we've only had this league going since 2017. And by gosh, nothing is going to stop us from to continue playing. Five matches down, five official matches to go. There will still be a couple of bonus matches at the end, but essentially we are halfway through the broadcast and it seems like a great time to pause and track last week's results. After all, this is the 10 to track. What fun if we don't look back and see how the teams that we were going to look at did. Match number one last week saw South Korean number one Ulsan Hyundai defeat number four Sangju Sangmu 4-1. They are now three points up here at the end of the regular season and have officially secured an AFC Champions League group stage berth. Uh, number two, Gianbach, could actually end up losing the other berth. Uh, they left Pohang Steelers mathematically alive by losing to them this week. Match number two brought us back to the United States, the Eastern Conference, where number one and two, Toronto and Philadelphia faced off. Toronto came out on top two to one, uh, coupled with a Columbus draw at Dallas. That leaves Toronto actually tied for number one overall in the entire league for the Supporters' Shield, which, if they're able to hang on to that, would give them a Champions League berth. Philadelphia have now dropped to number four. We then went back to Asia for match number three. The Hong Kong Senior Shield, one of the oldest international or national club tournaments anywhere. The favorites, Eastern FC, won two to one, two to nil over Lee Man FC. Just as a fun side note, because it harkens to British football, Eastern have a Brazilian player named Everton, last name Carmago, but he just goes by the first name, and he actually scored the second goal of that match. Match number four brought us back once again to the United States to the second tier for the end of the. United States, um, the USL Champions League, that's what I mean to say, where two teams that were already destined for the playoffs faced off, and as predicted, number four, uh, number one, Phoenix Rising beat number two in their group, the LA Galaxy Reserve side, four to one. Again, both teams will still be in the playoffs, and those will be starting this coming weekend. Match number five took us to where we want to be, Monty Python fans, to the Finnish Cup. It was their final, and the favorites won. HJK Helsinki are the Finnish powerhouses, and they beat Interturco uh, nil to two. Our next match, number six, took us back to England. We stayed in Europe for the FA Cup, where we were uh, minnow watching, unfortunately. Our number 10 level pyramid team, uh, the Cornwall based Saltash FC. Uh, lost their match 1-3 to three to Scholing, so we'll be looking forward to more minnow action this next week, though, with the number 9 squad. Next match, number 7, we went to the AFC Champions League for the Western Bracket, where El Nasir lost in penalty kicks to one of the mightiest teams in all of Asia, perhaps the number 1 team in all Asia, Persepolis. The regular time finish 1-1, Persepolis won 3-5 on penalty kicks. 
Our next match took us to CONCACAF land for the British Virgin Islands, but unfortunately there was no match. It got postponed. I haven't been able to determine why, but we'll have to wait till another time to potentially track a match between Islanders and Wolves. Wolves, which was spelled with a U instead of a V, if you didn't catch last week's from a historical typo. Really interesting factoid from a very small soccer country. Uh, match number nine was a World Cup qualification match, the uh, first of what will be many in the system for determining who goes to the World Cup in South America. Uh, we were focused on Chile, uh, Chile because they were the best team for the last World Cup out of South America that did not qualify. They barely lost out. It would have been nice to see them get a point as they traveled to Uruguay, the team that finished number two in the qualification stage out of Combo Bowl last year. But as you might have been able to predict, Uruguay came out on top by a final actually of two to one. And match number 10 took us to the UEFA Nations League, where a couple of teams that did very well last year and are trying to qualify for the next Euros uh, had a semifinal of sorts, and North Macedonia beat Kosovo in that one two to one. Then we had our two bonus matches, looking at a possible route of the week match. We went to the uh, third tier of American soccer, USL League One, where the runaway league regular season winners, Greenville Triumph, they will face whatever team finishes number two in a final game to determine the league winner. They were facing last place and pitiable Orlando City's reserve squad, Orlando B. I'm going to guess that Greenville ended up playing a lot of reserves because while they did skunk Orlando, it was only by a 2-0 score. And then finally, we had our match of very disappointed. And for that, we stayed in America for two last place teams in the Western Conference of MLS, teams that greatly disappointed both their mother and me, quite frankly. Uh, the San Jose Quakes, though, did come out on top 2-1 to one over the even more pitiable LA Galaxy. They both still stink, but at least we got something other than a draw out of that. And that concludes our episode one, 10 to track not preview, but I guess post-log. Let's go enjoy some world-fabulous weather for match number six as we head to Fiji for the Inter-District Championship. Now, there's a name you don't hear very often. It's mostly or entirely teams from the top domestic league in Fiji, but this is not part of that tournament, nor is it their FA Cup, but this is the oldest football tournament in Taiwan, and my understanding is that goes back decades beyond decades. The Inter-District Championship is still, even more than their Premier League title, the most coveted title and trophy in the island nation. The league, just to give you some perspective, is the number six one in uh, Oceania's federation, so not very highly regarded, but still when you're in the country, the footy that's happening there is important to you, and that's what makes these matches fun for me to track for us. Lataka and Albasa finished second and fifth last year in, in the, respectively in the league. Uh, to reach the final this year, they beat the current number one and number three teams. So a couple of upsets there. Lataka is the one that is going to have a bit more tradition and history on their side, as not only did they finish uh, as runner-ups in the league last year, but a couple of years ago, 2018, they were actually a finalist in the OFC Champions League. Now, I haven't researched the history of that tournament, but I'm going to guess the teams from this far down in their league rankings don't get that far that often. 
So it'll be fun to see who gets a shiny trophy for this particular one in Fiji. Match lucky number seven sees us back in more familiar soccer territory as we head to England for the FA Cup. They are still in the qualifying rounds as opposed to the group stage or what is considered the competition proper. But still, this is a lot of fun because this is where we get to see teams from lower levels of the pyramid all the way down to number 10 try to rise up and maybe get a chance to beat some giant or giants along the way. Uh, there are four qualifying rounds uh, in the F for the FA Cup, and this is the third qualifying round. So any team that wants to play in the group stage has to win in this round, and then win, win once more, and then they are in the competition proper. And I just learned from doing a little bit of research mere moments ago that I'm not the only one who thinks this is a big, shiny match to follow. Uh, BBC Sport has been picking a match or two from each round to follow, and they have selected the same one to broadcast. The matching question, Level 9 Pyramid Team, Christchurch, one of just three Level 9 teams to make it through to this particular round of the FA. They will be playing a London-based team called Dulwich Hammett. They are a level six team. They actually play in the National League South. That league just started. They only finished 19th last year. Obviously not very good for that particular level, but they are three pyramid levels up, and so should be favored against a team like Christchurch. That said, Christchurch has uh, played a level six team already in the second qualifying round, and they won in penalty kicks, and so here they are. On a side note, the other two teams that are from the ninth level of the English Pyramid actually ended up drawing to face one another. I don't know whether you call that lucky or not if you're looking for minnows to watch. It would be nice to see as many of those lower level teams get chances to rise up as they can. On the other hand, we are guaranteed to have at least one level nine team in the fourth and final qualifying round. So Christchurch is the team I want to focus on a little bit more. Always fun to follow the minnows. By the way, it was, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Gloucester City that they beat uh, to get to this round. They are known as the Priory, certainly going along with the church aspect of their name. Give you a little perspective on what teams are like at this level. It is certainly not fully professional. And in fact, their stand only, their home stand where this is going to take place, only seats 200, although you can probably get another like 1,000 on the grounds. Uh, this is the best that they have ever done as far as getting through the FA Cup. Uh, to give you an idea of where they are geographically, and this is fun for me because I, when I first started following soccer, I decided that I was a South Coast guy. I'm an AFC Bournemouth fan. Well, this team, Christchurch, they are basically from a suburb of Bournemouth, so I'll be cheering for them wholeheartedly. Uh, typically, they have a pretty middling offense for a team that's performing well, but very good defense, so look at home for them to control the pace, try to keep the scoring down. Uh, the league, by the way, that they're from is called the Wessex Premier Division. They're currently only in ninth place there, but it's very early in the season there. Go Priory! Feeling a little jet-lagged? Well, match number eight is just going to be right up your alley as we get to stay in the British Isles. We're going to Wales across the border from England for a 1-2 matchup. Number two, TNS, the New Saints, versus number one, Connors Quay. little perspective for this league. Despite being on the island that is the home of soccer, this league is only ranked 51st out of 55 in UEFA. Number two, TNS is only number two, it would seem, because they have a game in hand against uh, Connors Quay. 
TNS is 6-0-0, and they have scored 25 goals already and have yet to give one up. Good golly. Up until last year, they had won the league title, I believe, eight times in a row. So they've been in the Champions League a lot in the early qualifying rounds. So if that name seems familiar to you, there's a reason. However, it was Connors Quay winning their first ever league title last year, getting to the Champions League for the first time, who upset them for the title in 2019. They're obviously doing fine so far. They are 6-1-0, and have scored 18 goals and only conceded four. It'll be interesting to see if TNS really pushes for this to be a high-scoring affair or goes for defense. It seems like this is a match that could go either way. A little European history for TNS. A few years ago, back in 2010, they actually reached third qualifying round of the Champions League. But given that this league is ranked so low by UEFA, the champion has to enter at the first qualifying round. And uh, that wasn't so kind to Connors Quay in their first ever visit last year as they lost 0-2 to... uh, uh, Sarajevo out of the uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina League. Be curious to see how this one turns out in Wales. Match number nine brings us back to CONCACAF land. The ninth rated league in CONCACAF is the National Division in Guatemala, which isn't so much an interesting name, except when compared to their second best league is called the Premier Division. Usually the Premier Division is the top league in a country, although I do see now that it is called the Premier Division de Ascenso. So I guess that's like uh, jumbo shrimp, a little oxymoronic. In any case, this league is only a few matches in. Uh, nevertheless, we have another one versus two matchup. Uh, Coban Imperial, they are undefeated and they are sort of a uh, challenger this year. Although they did win the Apertura uh, stage, which is the opening stage of the two in a particular soccer calendar in Spanish, most Spanish-speaking countries. They won that last year, as well as winning the FA Cup in 2018-19. and so we might be seeing a rising power. I'm sort of rooting for them because their crust looks a little bit like imperial margarine. Uh, it's got a goofy crown with the uh, the balls sort of on top of it, and it's set slightly askance as if on somebody's head. It just very much makes me think of the grocery store product, but I enjoy that sort of thing. Uh, CSD Municipal, which is the most popular club in all of Guatemala by far, and the traditional power in the league. They are visiting. They are in second place currently. They won the closing stage last year, the 2019 Clausura, so they were the last stage winner. If that name is familiar to you, if you're a soccer historian, that is because they won the CONCACAF Champions Cup one time, which is uh, a predecessor to the current CONCACAF Champions League. Although you would have to be quite the historian, because that was all the way back in 1974. Congratulations, and thank you for sticking around through match number 10. It won't actually be our final of this 10 to track podcast, but it is the final official match, so to speak. I do have a couple of fun bonus matches, just like last week, to follow this. For the first time this broadcast, we are going to South America, and for the first time in either episode, I'll be highlighting a women's match. Um, I assure you that I did not make them number 10 uh, for any poor reasons. It is simply that I'm going chronologically, and this is a match being held on Thursday, and it is number one Corinthians versus number two Santos. They are the powers in Brazilian women's soccer. They finished number one and number two last year, hold the same positions this year. And there's only one match left in here, what's called the first phase. They paid 15 games, a single round robin. 
they are already 14 games in, so they see the big one for the last one. Uh, Corinthians have already effectively won what we would call the supporter shield as they are six points up. The top two teams from this league get to go on to the Women's Champions League, or I should say Copa Libertadores, since it's South America, and that is their version. I am not 100% certain if it is these two teams automatically, based on how they finish in the first phase, or if it is the two league finalists from the knockout tournament that immediately follows this first phase that get to go. My guess is that it will be these two teams either way, and it's probably based on the first phase. Uh, If not, Santos could be in trouble as they are three points up only on third place Internacional and obviously when you're going on the road to the number one team anything can happen so we could see a little bit of a changing of the guard in who goes to the CL from this league depending on how things turn out today and Corinthians should definitely be your favorite not only are they the number one team of the league but they have easily the best offense and the best defense running in the league this year um, on a side note, I'm particularly enjoying following this league because, and I gather this is comparative to the rest of South America, but uh, for a very long time, including recent history, uh, Brazil, there's been a real stigma when it comes to uh, women and playing soccer. They've had national leagues over the years, and they haven't always held. For a lot of Brazilian history, including recent history, uh, the women have only had the states leagues to play in. So I'm very excited to be able to finish off the official tend to tap tend to track part of this broadcast with a Brazilian top tier women's league match for you. It'll be great to see how it turns out. Just because we're through 10 matches doesn't mean we're done with our world globe trotting fun. It is time for the first of our two bonus matches. I need my echo sound effect again that I probably don't have. On Saturday, I have picked a special match for our route, route of, of the week, 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 week. That is week. But anyway, that's W-A-A-K. Uh, this should not be a close match, and we don't have to travel far at all for it. We're going to stay in Brazil once again, but this time we're going to go to the men's side. Atletico MG versus Goias, and I hope I am saying that right, G-O-I-A-S. Oh boy, this could be an ugly one to watch. Wouldn't it be fun to find on TV? Maybe you can get it on satellite. Atletico is number one this year, despite actually having had kind of a poor year this year. This last year, they're somewhat of a traditional power, but finished 13th last year. This year, uh, their defense is still struggling a little bit for a team that's doing so well, but they've got the best offense in the league. They've almost scored 30 goals already, close to twice as many as Goyos. Their 17 goals actually put them pretty close to the middle of the league on offense, so that gives them a little bit of hope. Unfortunately, mitigating that is they have far and away the worst defense in the league, a very common element when we're talking about terrible, terrible teams that are going to be relegated to lower divisions, never to be seen from again as they inhabit their new fresh hells. Yeah, that was fun. Four teams are going to get relegated out of the Brazilian Serie A, and this team is six points and some goal differential from even flirting with safety. So, yeah they're going down. That's just too bad because they finished in 10th last year, middle of the league. Really wasn't too bad, but the big green, as they are called, are going down last year. Kind of like their crest. It looks a little American-ish to me. Kind of uh, Grambling University, uh, Green Bay Packers, your G with the circle in very close proximity around it. Uh, Goyos, on top of their uh, middle of the pack finish last year, does have a little bit of hope. Uh, Historically, in 2006, they were rated 
roughly 20th as their finish in the Champions League. They qualified that year. And just a few years after that, 2010, they were actually finalists in the South American version of the Europa League, which is called the Copa Sudamericana. And just one final little factoid, uh, this team plays in a city called uh, Goiana, and uh, sort of the, the slums of uh, big Brazilian cities are uh, famous or infamous, depending on how you want to look at that. But for a large major metro area, uh, Goiana, I'm going to pronounce it, actually has the fewest slums or favelas in the entirety of Brazil. So no matter how this match goes, and it will probably go terribly for them, they at least have that to hang their hat on. Thanks for tuning in throughout the entire of the broadcast. We're heading into our very last match, the second bonus match. Last week it was called the Match of Very Disappointed. Left some space there for last week's audio. Hopefully our producer, the management, got that in. Disappointed! This week, however, rather than going with two last place teams, I accidentally stumbled across... Something that was so horrific, I can't unsee it, even though it was only a team on a table. Um, it is Estonia's women's second division. And rather than two last place teams, uh, it is two teams in their relegation division. They played presumably a double round robin and then broke into two groups of six, a championship division and a relegation division. The visiting team for this matchup is in first place of the relegation division. It is the reserve side for a team called Temeca. But, oh, good golly, the team that is hosting them, Kotla Jarve, J.K. Jarve is how I'm going to pronounce it. That's a lot of Jarve. They're in last place. They have not earned any wins, nor have they earned any draws. They have earned zero points. They have given up 141 goals in 14 matches and only scored twice. Their average game is presumably 10 nothing losses. Almost wonder if there are some forfeits involved, but not from what I saw on the websites I was looking at. Their worst loss of the year, uh, they were playing the number seven team in the league, Rockavir Tarvas at the time, and lost a road match 16-1. to uh, they did in the uh, regular season, their closest game was to the number eight team called simply Phoenix, and they only lost five to one. However, their very closest game of the year gives them a shred of hope, amazingly. Uh, the last time that they played this team, the reserve side for Temeca, they only lost two to nothing. So good luck to them. I don't think there's going to be any Saving them from relegation, again, they have earned zero points in the league table on the entire year. They are nine points from safety, and that might as well be on the other side of the world. They are going down. There actually is a third-tier women's league. It's such a small country and such a small football country as well that I couldn't even find any information on their third league. I simply know that it exists. Nevertheless, good luck and Godspeed to Kola K. Jarvie, uh, Kola Jarvie, J.K. Jarvie. May God have mercy on your soul. May God bless your soul for tuning into the entirety of this week's podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll be sure to do it again next week.